Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 4 today. And as you are turning there, I would like to tell you about an interview I heard related to Patrick Mahomes. Of course, he's been injured. Everybody wants to know when he's going to come back. And uh, this person interviewing asked him the question, you know, you're going to be out several games. How are you going to unify the team once you get back? He thought for a minute and he said, yeah, we talked about it and decided that all 11 of us are going to be the quarterback." He didn't say that. Even you that don't care about football and hate that I started with a football illustration, um, you would say, that is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. Do you realize that we serve a sovereign God who desires, even demands, unity. The word unity implies what? Diversity. You don't have to talk about unity if everybody's the same. Would you agree? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've been looking at the aspect of spiritual gifts. And I remind you, just by way of review, that a spiritual gift is a God-given capacity through which the Holy Spirit works to minister in a local church. And it's important for us, in fact, if you think about what it says in Ephesians, it says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And as we have been this year, going through the book of 1 Corinthians in the morning, we have seen over and over again the problem with division, schism, favoritism, cliques, all of those kinds of things that this first century church was experiencing and Paul from a distance was writing to them about to help them deal with that problem. That is a serious problem then and now. And if spiritual gifts are designed by God, given to us to benefit the body, how then should we let a gift of God become a divisive element in the church? And that's why we start with verse 4, And I'm going to go through verse um, 7 this morning. And I don't know if we'll get through everything with communion here. But if you think about it, this also relates to communion. In fact, in chapter 11, we saw that this Corinthian group of believers was very confused and very problematic when it came to even celebrating, remembering the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, Paul calls them carnal. They're backward. 
They're not being what God wants them to be. So if you'll look with me in 1 Corinthians 12, we'll begin in verse 4. We ended in 3 last week. Now there are diversities, various kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Notice capital S. And there are differences of administrations, we'll look at that word, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit, capital S, is given to every man to profit with all, we would say profit all. One other verse I want to hit on, and that is verse 11. But all these spiritual gifts worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally, individually, as he will. Lord, we pray for understanding, clarity, and our emphasis today, because you put it here, is the importance of unity. How can we be united as a body of believers in using our spiritual gifts to manifest you? I pray that you would help us, and even as we follow up this time in the Word with our communion, I pray, Lord, that you would help us see ourselves honestly and clearly and respond properly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want us to look at what is demanded in the text for there to be unity. So if you would look with me here in the text, I want you to notice, first of all, that unity demands Christ-likeness. Or we might say it this way, because they're all mentioned here. Unity is built on the foundation of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You'll notice here that they are all mentioned in that regard. And what's interesting is the words that are associated with each one, each person of the Godhead. So you'll notice here that the Holy Spirit is, first of all, the giver of gifts. You get this spiritual gift when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, become born again, we would say, become a genuine believer. And don't misunderstand here. Spiritual gifts are not natural talents. There's a lot of people that can play the piano. And a lot of people are not playing the piano for the glory of God. Okay? So we're not talking about the talents that we can develop, that we want to help our children develop. We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God giving as a gift to every one of us a giftedness to be used to benefit or profit all in the body of Christ. Now, the list given in verses 8 through 10 
are what we call sign gifts. These are not gifts that are all continuing gifts because, if you recall, God, in his sovereign plan, gifted the church and that early group of believers with some giftedness that was very supernatural. Healing people, performing miracles, that sort of thing. Now, God still does that, but God doesn't gift a person today to do those things. I realize there are a lot of faith healers on TV and the radio and all those kind of things, but really, those are not genuine gifts for today. These are the sign gifts that God gave to give a catalyst, to give a propulsion, to give a starting point to the church and the ministry of the gospel. If we want to look at the service gifts that are still in place today, we'll go to Romans 12. We won't do that this morning, but just to give you a little groundwork about what we are talking about here. So the Holy Spirit is the one that God has chosen to give the gifts. Secondly, you notice in verse 5, it says there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. That word administration means ministry. Actually, it's diakonos. We get our word deacon. It's really the service opportunities that the gifts have. And when you think about that, how does the Lord Jesus represent that very thing? What did he say? Did he come to be served? No, he came to serve others. He did the ultimate service in sacrificing his body on that cruel cross that you and I could have eternal life. So it's the Lord that works in the administration and is the example of service. When you and I look at the Gospels, we understand that the Lord Jesus, while he was on earth, was constantly serving others. So that reminds us that the Spirit chooses who to give what gifts to. It's the Lord that helps us through the Gospel to use those gifts to serve the body of Christ. But notice the last thing there, verse 6, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. That word operations is the word energema, Greek word energema. It literally, we get our word energy. Have you thought about how God is your strength. We quoted down in the Navajo Indian Reservation umpteen times a day, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. My strength. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. God is the one that energizes us 
to use that gift in the body of Christ. Now, if you think about the Godhead, we understand that the scripture is clear. There is one God manifest or showing forth in three persons. When we think about the crucifixion of Jesus, we understand that God sent his son some 30 years before, born of a virgin, we call it the incarnation, to have humanness and yet be 100% God. God did that. It was God who chose. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Not one of his sons, he only has one. And he gave that son as a gift to all humanity for all time. That anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord, confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved this morning if you're not already saved. You don't get saved by walking in the church door. You don't get saved by being a good person. You don't get saved by being an American. You get saved because you put your faith and trust, your heart believing Jesus is God. And what Jesus did for you and I. We saw last week, the Bible says here uh, earlier, he is the propitiation of, for our sins. That's not a normal word, but it's, he took our wrath. I like the phrase, he is our wrath, he was our wrath absorber. He took the punishment that you and I deserve to have. So here we are, and we see in this picture that Paul gives us that unity demands understanding the Godhead and the Godhead's purpose for helping us be what we need to be. Saving us, sustaining us, sanctifying us, and ultimately glorifying us for his kingdom. That is what God has done. Secondly, I want you to see that unity demands that you and I understand God's purpose in these gifts. If somebody gives you a gift, don't they usually have in mind a purpose? We, um, down in New Mexico... Brother Forrester read every day from a book called Explore the World, written by two Christian scientists, and it takes biology, astronomy, all kinds of areas of science, and shows how God created our universe. Tremendous book. And as we heard, read from that book every day, my wife and I, coming home from the trip, my wife says, you know what? We've got two grandsons that are particularly interested in science. And so she ordered the books. They've already come in. And 
going to give them at Christmas time as a gift. You know why? The purpose in mind is that those two grandsons love science, and we want them to love more than science. We want them to love the creator of science. We want them to love the God of science. It's a devotional book. It's based on every day of the year. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Gifts have a purpose. And nobody knows how to give better gifts than the Godhead. And so let's think about, for just a few minutes, the benefit or the purpose of what God is doing in gifting every believer. The first thing I noted is this. In verse 7a, it talks about, notice what it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Everyone who is a believer has been given a gift, and that gift is designed for the purpose to manifest the Holy Spirit. To show forth that we are spiritual beings. That we don't live for ourselves. We live for a God who gave to us his son. And after the son left earth to go to heaven, he did what? He sent the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to come. Where does the comforter live? The Bible makes it clear. In every believer. Because the Holy Spirit is a spirit, lives in every single one of us that know Jesus Christ as Savior. You have God living in you if you are a genuine believer today. You say, what's he doing in there? What's he doing? You'd be amazed to look through the scripture at all the things that the Holy Spirit does. Seals us, assures us, helps sanctify us, speaks to God the Father on our behalf. He does all kinds of things. But one thing we love is that he represents that still, small voice. That prompting us. We get our directions in life as believers by first reading the word of God. But we understand that not every situation that we come in line with is going to have a direct answer in a verse in Scripture. But that Holy Spirit prompts us. Christian, have you ever been prompted? You weren't even thinking about it, but you're walking through some store or some place or the commissary, and you get this thought. Hey, give that track to that cashier. That's not your brilliance. That's the Holy Spirit prompting you and I to do Bible-based things. Do you understand how important that is? We need to manifest the Spirit. Now, we're going to understand as we continue through chapter 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians that these Corinthian believers were ignorant, by the way, that's what the first verse says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. 
They were acting ignorant, because I remind you, one of the things we talked about a couple of weeks ago was in their ignorance, in their old nature, their old way of living, trying to please God without Jesus Christ, they would go through ecstatic utterances. They would let that get carried away into orgies and all kinds of terrible, wrong, wicked things. So we're not talking about holy rollers here. We're not talking about acting goofy. We're not talking about a laughing revival. We're not talking about any of those things. We're talking about you and I daily walking in the Spirit. What does the Bible say? Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We all have lust of the flesh. They're there every day. They're knocking, wanting us to obey our flesh inordinate desires, lust. And the Spirit of God is that still, small voice. You know, he says things, Sir, don't look at that magazine rack. Ma'am, turn off that soap opera. Is that music you're listening to? Glorifying God or glorifying self? Is what you're wearing modest or seductive? The Holy Spirit's concerned about all those things and faithful to help us and to prompt us. Sometimes wish the Holy Spirit would grab my mouth, do one of those. You know what I'm saying? I find our, my mouth gets me in trouble more than about anything else I know of in my body. You know what I'm saying? But he doesn't do physical things, but he does do those promptings. And our, you notice there in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit to manifest him is given to every man to profit with all. So that brings us to the second aspect of how we can manifest the Spirit, and that is to profit everyone. We don't come to church and say, how can I profit my best friend today? I hope I can sit by my best friend today and it's just us. No, no, no. The Spirit and these gifts that the Spirit gives is to profit everyone. Do you realize when guests and visitors come and you greeters meet them out there? Your spiritual gift is going to be a real asset in the Spirit of God manifesting the Spirit to be a blessing. If you've got the gift of serving, showing them where the restrooms are, showing them in the wintertime where to hang their coat, where to get a drink, All kinds of gifts. I mean, all kinds of ways to serve. All kinds of ways to serve. That's why it becomes so very important that you and I... Notice that word profit. That's an interesting word. Benefit. Be a blessing. Be an encouragement. These spiritual gifts become unifiers when we're using our gift 
to benefit others. Thinking about others. I think I've told you on an occasion or two, growing up in the Salvation Army, I heard this story more than once. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, took a group of people out of a liberal Methodist church in the country of England because they didn't care about lost people, particularly orphan kids, on the street of London. And he developed the Salvation Army. He was near his death. They asked him to speak at one of their end-of-year annual meetings together. He was sitting down front on the front row. They introduced General Booth. He walks up, kind of slow like I am. Others. And he sits back down. Talk about conviction. There was great conviction. (laughs) It's amazing what one word can do. Others, Lord, yes, others, let that my motto be. Spiritual gifts unify because spiritual gifts are designed to profit all. Where would the body of Christ be without the diversity of spiritual gifts? I remind you that I wrote this down. I got this quote, and I can't remember who said this, but listen to what this person said about the Holy Spirit working. If the reason you got where you are today in church is because of you, then you're somewhere where you ought not to be and everybody else is paying the consequence. You know what he was saying? It's all about God's gifts. The gift of his son, the gift of his Holy Spirit. We owe it all to him, don't we? It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of whose pleasure? His good pleasure. Not my pleasure. Not what I want. What God wants. God's got a purpose for every one of you. He wants your gift to be used. We think it's utterly absurd that everybody would be the quarterback. It's utterly absurd that everybody in the church would have the same gift. But the real message of 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7, is if gifts are used for the right purpose, they are a unifier, not a divider. I read one commentary that said this. It's the Spirit of God that gives the gifts and unifies. The only thing believers need to do is not become a disunifier by doing things that cause division. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Almost every chapter has something to do with divisiveness, whether they were picking who was their favorite pastor or spiritual leader or whatever it might be. Here they were, 
looking at these gifts in such a wrong way. Profit all. It's his work. It's our surrender. It's our yieldedness that God is looking for. God promises that he will gift us, and we looked at at the very first point, Jesus Christ is the perfect example of service, and it's God which energizes and gets us doing what we're supposed to do. He is our strength. He is our strength. We don't earn them. We don't deserve them. That reminds me of two things I put on my notes. We need to be thankful. I know it's Thanksgiving season. We need to be thankful all the time for what God has given to us. What God has given to us. And you know the tragedy of life is the routine of life. Many times the routines in life get us to thinking about all the negative things and all the things that we're tired of doing, boredom, and we lose sight of how blessed we are by God. Wow. I heard today about another raid killing the leader of ISIS. But you know what struck me as tragic? That ISIS leader, if I got my facts right, took two of the many children that he had by multiple women, and he took those two children in the cave with him, hiding from the U.S. military. And he knew it was his end, so you know what he did? He pulled the strap on his suicide vest. Guess who he killed? Himself and those two children. I I can't even imagine. I mean, it's beyond comprehension, is it not? Why was I born in America? I deserve something special? Absolutely not. My point is, gratefulness ought to be a daily thought, word, and deed. I preach a message on Thanksgiving. I have once here anyway. I call it thanks living. Thanks living. So many ways to give thanks. And the importance of living in such a way that we show gratefulness and thankfulness for all that God has done. By the way, that word prophet that we saw in verse uh, 7, listen to the Greek, simphero. We get our word symphony. You know what prophets a symphony? When the violins play the violin part, and the trumpets play the trumpet part, and the tuba every once in a while plays the tuba part. You know what I'm saying? Play your part. Use your gift that God has given you. We're not talking about taking your talents and abilities. That's important too. But know what gift you have. Look at Romans 12 today. 
And look at those gifts. And think about how has God gifted me? And you know that you have a specific spiritual gift when it is a motivation that you have in your life to do those things. Giving, serving, showing mercy, ruling, teaching, exhorting, preaching. You'll know what your spiritual gift is by how you are motivated. Do you realize God designed you? And when God designed you, he gave you certain abilities and talents. And now when you become a believer, he wants to take those talents and abilities and give you special gifts that you can benefit the body of Christ. As we move into our communion time, I want to remind you that God knows best. Doesn't that sound simple? God knows best. He knows best about everything. He knows what gifts are needed in the body. He knows what your gift is and what you'll best be able to do and to minister. And the tragedy. Have you ever given a gift and you find out sometime later that the people opened it and did nothing with it? You know what that does? That hurts. That disappoints. That grieves God that he would give you and I gifts to manifest the Holy Spirit, show forth Christ-likeness, live in God's energy and strength, to profit the body of Christ. I like profit. I don't know about you. Profit's a good thing. I know we normally think of that word in terms of money. That's not what this is about. This is about the ability to profit people in the foyer when you're greeting them, profit them in the hallways, profit them where we sit, profit them by a call, by a text, by an email. All number of ways that you and I can profit one another. That's what Paul is saying here. Verse 11, but all these, all these gifts, worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally, individually, as he will. Would you today, as we get ready to partake of communion, would you be honest about, do you understand if you're a believer what gift God has given you but I want you to go beyond that today this message wasn't about knowing your gift it was about unifying the body of Christ by using your gift 
in God's power, God's grace. That's your heart today? I wrote this down, don't take offense. The church doesn't need pew potatoes. They need pew proclaimers. It's not come and sit and soak. To come and sit and absorb to pass out. Be like that sponge overflowing with water, leaving a place, leaving God's house, wanting to go out and profit all. You realize there's not a one of us in here today that doesn't have a neighborhood. I don't care if it's an apartment, a condo, or a housing unit that doesn't need your profit. Need your profit. Need your giftedness to be used to proclaim Jesus Christ. There isn't a place where any of us work that doesn't need people to go, Christians to go, and profit the place, benefit the place. You got a mission field at Ford Motor Company, Brother Chris? I'd say so. We could name any place you work. Isn't that what it's about? Unified, even though we're diverse. We could talk about diverse personalities, diverse genders, diverse talents and abilities. There's all kinds of diversity. But this chapter is focused on the diversity of gifts, God's design given to believers to manifest him and to profit the body of Christ. Let's be a prophet today, can we? be a real benefit and as we unite ourselves around the Lord's Supper my prayer is that we would be honest to evaluate our spiritual gift and its usefulness in the body of Christ one last thought I have I don't usually say this but if you desire to learn more about spiritual gifts we have quite a good study that our first pastor, Tom Souter, did uh, from the scripture that helps you identify, talks about spiritual gifts. We would love, I would love to get with you, or we have a number of people that could get with you, and um, make sure you understand that. And make sure you are using the gift that God has given. Would you bow your head with me, please? We're going to transition to our communion time, but I do want to ask this question. Actually, I have a couple of questions. I wonder how many here would say, based on Romans chapter 12, I have a very good idea of what my spiritual gift is. If that's true, would you just raise your hand, keep it up for a minute? All right, thank you. 